we had some of our own that that just experienced a terrible catastrophe on Friday, and that is um, Joe and Tammy and uh, all of their brood uh, were at home Friday, Thursday night, Friday morning early, and the uh, levee that is behind their house was breached, and their home was flooded with some other homes right there. Their home being one of them, it was flooded. And uh, very, very early Friday morning, they were jumping out of bed trying to save as much as they could. And so uh, it has been a very trying past uh, couple days for them. And I know know a difficult time, but I just, I, I want you to know what some of our own are going through. And if there's some way that you can help, it'd be a blessing. Or and 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 I mean, there's all kinds of things associated with getting stuff moved around and all of that. Um, you know, you can be a blessing to them perhaps and do it. But we also want them to know that we love them and we're lifting them up yeah. and believing God's going to bring them back from this greater than it was before. Right. Does anybody still believe that? The Lord can take what the enemy meant for evil and God can use it for good. Amen. So, in the passage of scripture that I've read to you this morning, we're dealing with the Lord talking about how Aaron and his sons, who were also priests, were to were to come before the Lord. They would come before God and they are going to minister to him in his tabernacle that God is giving them the pattern for and the layout for. And they are going to come before God. They're going to have to uh, slay the sacrifice. They're going to have to wash in the brazen uh, labor. They're going to have to go before the candlestick and trim it. They're going to have to uh, keep the bread on the table of showbread. Uh, they're going to have to keep it fresh. They're going to go before the altar of incense. And they're going to uh, offer that incense before the Lord there. And there's several things that are getting ready to happen. But God said before you do any of those things. It is imperative that you be hallowed to me. You be set apart to me. You be prepared to come into my presence. So that I can use you the way that I want to use you. I would tell you today that there's a difference between just coming into God's presence to receive and coming into God's presence to minister in the presence of God. Those are, def- those are different things. that they, they, they require different types of preparation. And I'm glad that any of us can come here today and be in the presence of God. Aren't you glad for that? Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to know that the, the truth of, of this word still holds Uh, still is valid that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there will I be in the midst of them. God doesn't make you qualify that. God doesn't make you uh, uh, do certain things, go through certain rituals. God just says if you can get two or three to come together, and if they'll do it in my name, I will be there in the middle of them, and they will experience my presence, and they will know that there's a God who loves them. There's a God who is with them. There's a God who will fill their life. There's a God who will walk with them day by day. There's a God who goes before. Isn't it good to know that? I feel him in this house today, don't you? Amen. 
Amen. I feel him in this house today. And, and I experience him as we begin to sing and we begin to worship and we begin to lift him up. I know that his presence has come to be here in our midst. And so I'm thankful for that. But there is, a, a, there is another level of, of going into the presence of God that I want to experience too. And that's not just where I receive, but that is where I begin to minister back to him. And I begin to minister to the people of God, to those who are hungry for God. I don't just want to always be on the receiving end, but I would like to be an extension, a conduit, if you will, of God's presence and God's power and God's glory. Really, that's what the church is called to do. We are called to be an extension of God in the earth today. He is the head, but we are the body. And, and there's too many churches that serve a quadriplegic Christ. The head works, but the body can't move. The head works fine. The head can turn. The head can do whatever. But the body is limited in mobility because they are not allowing the Lord to flow through them. If all we do is hinder and, and stop up what God would do in us and we try to contain it to my life or my family or my church and these four walls and we don't allow that to flow out, then let me tell you what's going to happen. We'll become like anything else that, that never has an outflow and we'll become stagnant. And there will be stagnation that will take place. And it will affect this church. And it will affect your family. And it will affect your life. And we'll begin to, to realize that we are not who we really ought to be in God. and We're not allowing God to flow through us like we ought to. And, and that causes a coldness to come into our spirit. And, and, and we begin to suffer the effects of all of that. So we need this, this other uh, experience in the presence of God. Where we're not just receivers. But we are those who allow something to flow from us. And so the Lord said, in order for Aaron and his sons to be able to minister, they're going to have to be hallowed. And this is how they'll be hallowed. You're going to take the blood and you're going to take the anointing oil. And you're going to sprinkle it on them. Now we've talked a lot about the blood in times past. We've talked a lot about the blood. And uh, every Easter that comes by, we talk about the blood. We talk about the blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. We talk about the blood of the, of the spotless lamb, the innocent lamb that, that uh, took, on the, took on all the sin of the world. Can you imagine what a weight that was to carry? No wonder Jesus would say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? When he felt the weight of all the sin of humanity, all the sin of, that, that would come in times that, w had, that had not even been experienced yet, when all of that would be laid upon him, no wonder he would say such a thing. And so um, we know it was the blood that cleansed us. We know it was the blood, uh, being washed in the blood, having the blood applied to our lives. There's a lot of different ways you could say this, but we know it was the blood that has allowed us to escape the penalty of sin in our lives. I thank God for the blood. Amen. And years ago, there, there was a particular Christian denomination that went through their uh, they went through their liturgy and they went through their their songbooks and they began to take out references to the blood. And the reason they did that is because they didn't want to offend people um, by serving a bloody Christ. And they didn't want people to think that it was gross and that it was 
there was something odd because they would talk about the blood. So they removed references to the blood. I don't ever want to remove reference to the blood that has been applied to my life. I don't ever want to forget what the blood has done for me. I don't, I don't ever want to forget the fact that there are things that are under the blood now. And the only reason they are not laid to my charge is because it was the blood that washed me. It was the blood that made me pure as snow. I thank God for the blood. I thank God for the blood. And so uh, we have talked about that and we have, we have dealt with that often and many times. But it wasn't just the blood that you have to be sprinkled with if you're going to be able to minister before God. It was the blood and it was also the anointing oil. If you're going to minister before the Lord, there was going to have to be that combination brought together. And so I want to talk today about the anointing. And I want to talk about what it can do. I want to talk about what it is. I want to talk about how you can get it. And I want to ask a question to you today before we leave. And that is this. What are you willing to give for it? Let me tell you what the blood can do. Or excuse me, what the anointing can do. The anointing brings revelation. Anybody thankful for revelation today? Hallelujah. The anointing brings revelation. I have found this in my life to be true growing up. Uh, around a church where the anointing of God was felt and experienced. I found this to be true, that there are things about God's word. There are truths about who he is that I have, that I have come to embrace and know. And the only reason I feel like I have those today is because I was in services and I was uh, brought up by people who had an anointing on their life where, the, where, where, where there was something imparted to me. It was deeper than what I could grasp intellectually. But there was a revelation that came into my life. And God began to show me some things. And God allowed me to see things that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. I'm glad to have revelation that has been shown in my life. I'm glad to see some things that perhaps uh, through human intellect I never would have known. Um, I'm glad that sometimes my spirit bears witness with the Lord. And, and, and I began to understand things intuitively that I, I, I couldn't understand just by studying something. It, 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 it's powerful. It's revelation that comes into your life. And, and you begin to, to understand what the value there is in serving God. And you begin to understand the value there is in embracing the truths of his word. I want you to know today that the anointing always brings revelation. If you will get to where the anointing of God is. And you will allow that anointing to affect your life. You will see revelation come into your life. You'll begin to know more about God than you've ever known. You'll begin to understand things about him that you would ordinarily not have understood. It comes through the anointing. It was the anointing oil that allowed that candlestick to burn. That candlestick that represented revelation and illumination. And so we must have it. That candlestick shone over onto the table of showbread, which represents the word of God. And so if we don't have the anointing oil, we're never going to get all out of the word of God that we otherwise would have gotten. So this has to be a church where the anointing is felt and experienced. The second thing that the anointing can do is it destroys yokes. Isaiah told us, he said, and the yoke would be destroyed because of the anointing. Brother Huntley preached it years ago. It's very powerful. And I've mentioned it to you before, but I'd like to mention again. He did not say the, the yoke would be broken. 
Because things that are broken always stand a chance of being put back together. If you break something, something that's broken can be fixed. But the Lord said, I'm going to allow my anointing to come into your life. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. There's a difference between something being broken and something being destroyed. Because when it's destroyed, it's not ever coming back together. If it is destroyed, it's not ever being put piece back together. And I know the enemy a lot of times has, has liked to put some things on us. The enemy a lot of times has put some yokes on us. We've gone through life and we've, grabbed, we've, we've gravitated to things that perhaps we shouldn't have gravitated to. And there was a yoke that eventually got put on us. And we got put in bondage to some things. And we began to serve some things that God never meant for us to serve. But somewhere along the way, there was an anointing that came into our life. Maybe it was in a service like this one today. Maybe it was while they were singing a song like they were singing a while ago. But the anointing would begin to flow in the house of God. The anointing would begin to flow when you found yourself in a prayer room somewhere. And all of a sudden that, that anointing began to get a hold of that yoke that was on you. And God said, I'm not just going to break this. I'm not just going to remove this. But I'm getting ready to destroy this thing that has had a hold on you. I thank God for the anointing that destroys the yoke that has been on our lives. I don't want to get too caught up here, but I wish if there's anybody in this room that you've ever had a yoke-destroying anointing come up on you. I wish for just about 10 seconds you'd get to your feet and you'd give the Lord some praise for what He's done in your life. Would you do that? Look across this room right now. Look at the testimony of what the anointing has done. Look where God has brought people from. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. You may be seated. I, I, again, I'm not trying to get caught up here, but I do feel a little inspiration right now. So give me just a moment. That, the thing about that yoke, when you take oxen and you put the yoke on them, the oxen can't remove that yoke themselves. The, the oxen are submitted to the yoke. And whatever the yoke, whenever it's laid upon them, it puts them in a position that they can only go where the yoke allows them to go. They can only do what the yoke allows them to do. It's so powerful, that yoke, that it can take a, an animal that weighs over 1,000 pounds, well over, perhaps close to 2,000 pounds, and that yoke can cause them to come into submission to something that is so much, seemingly so much weaker than them. And you and I have all known people, and perhaps some in this room today, who were brought under the bondage of little things. Brought under the bondage of little things like alcohol, or drugs, or whatever it was. And, and you got put under the, 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 the yoke of that seemingly little thing and we said why don't you just walk out from under that but so you found you couldn't just walk out from under it you couldn't get out from under it but thank God that there is something that is so powerful that if I can get it in my life that thing that nothing else can pull off of me that thing that has had me bound and going in a particular direction God in one moment can give me liberty he can free me from it through the anointing through the anointing. 
I'd like to tell you this, not only does it bring revelation, not only does it destroy yokes, but it empowers us for kingdom service. It empowers us where we become people who begin to pour back into the kingdom of God. It's a sad church that gathers together every Sunday just to receive. It's a sad group of people that come together and all they're ever doing is saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. I don't want to be a part of that kind of a church. I don't want to be a part of, of, a, of a conglomeration of people that all we are ever doing is saying, what have you got for me today, Lord? What, what have you got for me today, God? Show me, blow my mind again, Lord. And, and No, I want to be a part of something that's greater than that. I want to be a part of something I can put back into. Uh, Paul was talking to a church and he said to them, he said, if I come to you and I sow into you, he's talking about ministry. He said, if I sow into you spiritual things, how, how, what, what, what big deal is it that you would sow back into me your carnal things? And basically he's saying that you would take care of, of, of me being able to live and, and, and do what I've got to do in order to get this gospel spread. He said, I, I'm sowing into you something spiritual. So let me ask you a question. If God has sowed into you something that is eternal, if God has sown something into you that has destroyed yokes in your life and that has brought you out of sin and that has placed you on footing that is solid and steadfast, if God's done all of that for you and I, what big deal is it that, that we would want to give back to him? I want to give back to you, Lord. I want to pour back into this thing. God, this church that I'm a part of, I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about the church, this church, God, that we're a part of, that you brought us all into. Uh, Lord, I want to give back to it. I, I want to see more people who are like me come out of what they were in and be loosed as well. And that's what the anointing can do. It can empower us for kingdom service. What is this anointing? I'm going to tell you. It's heaven's concoction. This is heaven's concoction. This isn't something Moses came up with. and This isn't something Aaron came up with. But this is a God thing. God said, I am going to put together, tell you all the ingredients that you need to receive the anointing. Uh, it, it, it's, a heavenly, uh, it's a heavenly set of ingredients. And I don't have time today to preach through all the ingredients and what they represent and what they mean. But it's a powerful study if you ever look at it. Uh, when, I, when we're talking about what is the anointing, I've got to tell you this. The anointing could only be applied when God said. The anointing could only be applied when God said. So the anointing is not something that you can just go grab it and you can dump it on yourself and feel good about yourself and say, and, and say I'm going to be anointed of God. No, the anointing's only applied when God says they're ready for the anointing. They're ready for the anointing. And so it takes us getting to a place where God says, I can use you and, and, and I can minister through you. And, and, and so we've got to get we've got to come to the understanding that we need to put ourselves in a position where God says, all right, this is somebody who has a hunger and a desire to be used of me. You can't just anoint yourself. The anointing is precious. The anointing is precious. Not every place has the anointing. Not every place has the anointing. Not everywhere you go can you readily find the anointing. But it, it takes being uh, with, with, with those who have cultivated a relationship with God. With those who have gone before the Lord in prayer. 
with those who have spent time with him, with those who have sought his will. It takes, it takes a lot of effort to receive the anointing. I, I know that goes against what a lot of people would like to hear, but it takes a lot of effort to get those ingredients together in order for the anointing to be put together. It is a precious thing. And God said it's not to be used for anything else. You don't use this anointing oil to, to, to lubricate the farm equipment. You're not going to use, Moses, you're not going to use this anointing oil uh, for any other reason other than to hollow things, hallow things that are going to be used in service and ministry in my tabernacle and in my presence. It's precious. You've got to treat it as such. It's precious. You've got to treat it as such. Um, that's why we need to be careful, every single one of us. We need, if, if we've ever been anointed of God, we need to be careful that we guard the anointing. Now, I'm trying to be careful here because there's some things I've been privy to lately in a large, on a large scale. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's a shame when we desecrate the anointing of God. It's a shame when we desecrate the anointing of God. And I've been praying over the last few days myself. And, and I've been saying, God, don't ever let me do anything that would, that would bring any reproach upon the anointing that's in my life. Don't ever let me do anything, God, that would cause people in this church to look back and say, but, oh, but our pastor had an anointing on his life. How could this have happened? God, let me guard the anointing. And not just me, but everybody in this room. God, let us guard the anointing that you have put on our lives. It is a precious commodity. It is, it is to be carefully guarded. It is to be carefully guarded. How do you get the anointing? How do you get it? This is so precious if it's heaven's concoction. If I can't apply it to myself, only God can apply it, then how can I get it? Let me tell you how you can get the anointing. You surrender yourself to God. You allow yourself to be set apart for service to Him. You begin to have no other motive than just pleasing the Lord. We need pure motives in 2018. We need pure motives. We need to do whatever we do for one reason. It brings Him glory. And nobody in this church, I don't care what department you are, what ministry you are, nobody in this church, from this pulpit to anywhere else, none of us have any right to seek after uh, our own glory to seek after our own recognition we all should have one high calling in mind and that is that I bring glory to God I want to bring glory to God I want to do something that brings glory to God singers I want to sing a song that brings glory to God prayer warriors I want to pray a prayer shift that brings glory to God Teachers, I want to teach a lesson that brings glory to God. Whatever I'm doing in this church, let it bring glory to God. Let me preach a message that brings glory to God. Let me do what I do. Let me be a hyphen leader that brings glory to God. Be a youth pastor that brings glory to God. Whatever you do. Let it bring glory to God. Clean the church. Let it bring glory to God. 
Mow the lawn. Let it bring glory to God. Shake a hand. Let it bring glory to God. Greet somebody. Let it bring glory to God. Visit someone in the hospital. Let it bring glory to God. If we don't get our motives right, we're going to mess this whole thing up. But if we can get a motive that says, I'm doing this so that I can turn people's eyes to Jesus. I'm doing this so people will know him that didn't know him. I want to make him famous. If we'll do it for the right reasons, we'll do it for the right reasons. We'll begin to walk in the anointing. We'll begin to walk in the anointing. But God's not going to give you his anointing in order for you to try to put on your own show. Years ago, years ago, there's a man, some of you will have heard of him before. Just a powerful man of God. Brother T.W. Barnes. Brother Barnes was a prophet. He didn't call himself that. But he was. And I could tell you story after story the way God used him. And, and uh, Brother Barnes was. There was such an anointing on him. He said at one time there was. He said, there was a time in my life, he said, I had such an anointing to pray for people who were deaf. He said that if somebody called me and said, Brother Barnes, I've got a deaf friend, I'm coming to bring them to you. He said, I would just rejoice because I knew God was about to heal them. He said, it was just an anointing. And, and he, said, uh, he said, everybody who God uses in ways like that, they're going to have to come to an understanding of who this is for and what this is all about. He said, there was a time in my ministry, he said, God was using me. And he said, I had put a tent up. And he said, uh, on the tent, I, I had a big sign made. And it said, uh, T.W. Barnes Healing Revival. T.W. Barnes Healing Revival. And he said, I, I, we got the tent set up. They put the sign up. And he said, I looked up at it. And the Lord spoke to me and said, hope you have a good time. He said, what are you talking about, Lord? He said, I didn't, I didn't put the gift in your life that you've got in order to bring glory to you or any recognition or fame to you. He said, I did it so I could touch people. And Brother Barnes said, told him, he said, hey, pull that sign down right now. He said, I don't want my name on anything that belongs to him. I'm talking about having motives that are right. I'm talking about why we do what we do. I'm talking about why we do it. You ought to do everything you do with excellence. You ought to do it to the best of your ability. But why are you doing it? I'm doing it so he can be exalted. I'm doing it so his people can be touched. And students that are getting ready to go back to school or college or whatever it is. I pray that there would be such an anointing on your life. I pray. That people would say there's something different about you. There's something unique about you. What is it? I can tell you've got to walk with God. Uh, I can tell you've been with the Lord. I pray that there's an anointing on your life that draws people like moths to a flame. But when it's all said and done, I hope you're using it to point them to Him. There are people that have had such giftings and charisma upon their life that they, they became like that. And everybody began to look to them. They started pointing them in the wrong direction. Help us, God, to help us, God, to have motives that would please you. And then finally, I'm ending with this. What are you willing to give for it? What are you willing to give for the anointing? To get it, all you got to do 
is set yourself apart to serve God and say, Lord, here I am. Send me and have motives that, that please him. That's all you've got to do. But what are you willing to give for it? The priest had to be willing to pay the price to experience the anointing. Anybody remember the story in the Bible about Elijah and Elisha when Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind? Um, they were walking together. And there's two prophets, and the elder prophet and the younger prophet. They're walking together. And Elijah told Elisha, he said, I'm about to go. He said, he said, you followed me this far. He said, what is it that you'd have me do for you? And he said, I'm praying. I want a double portion of your spirit to come upon me. I want a double portion of your spirit to come upon me. And he said, if you're going to get a double portion of my spirit, if that's the kind of anointing you want on your life, then you're going to have to stick with me through thick and thin because you're going to have to see me when I'm taken from you. There's going to be one opportunity, and you're going to have to see me when I'm taken from you. So, buddy, Elisha said, wherever you go, that's where I'm going. And they took off. They went through, they went through Bethel. They went to Jericho. They went across the Jordan. They went to all these different cities. They had to go by the school of the prophets and, and see all those people saying, don't you know your master's about to be taken from you? And he said, hush, I ain't got time to listen to you. I don't have time to listen to you. I'm trying to keep my eyes on that man because when he goes, I got to be watching because I want an anointing to come upon my life. And wherever he goes, that's where I'm going. And I'm not listening to any naysayers and I'm not listening to anybody that tells me I don't need this. I'm not listening anybody tells me I'm foolish for following him wherever he goes that's where I'm going because I know what I want I'll give whatever I've got to give I'll do whatever I've got to do I'll pay whatever price I've got to pay but when it's all said and done I want an anointing on my life he saw it he saw it that chariot come down swirls Elijah up he's taken up in the whirlwind his mantle falls back down Elisha said, my God, my God, uh, the, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He said, now I see what's going on here. He picked up that mantle, walked back to that Jordan River they had crossed just a short time ago. He looked, he remembered what Elijah had done. And he'd smoked the water, they'd, they'd gone hither and thither. And he looked and he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He said, if it worked for him and I've got that anointing, it'll work for me. He hit the water and they split and he went across on dry ground as well. And, and, and that, was a, that was a confirmation to him that what he'd been seeking had just come. And he had that anointing resting on his life. But he was the man who paid the price for it. He was willing to do whatever it took. If you were going to be a priest, if you were going to be a priest who would serve God in the temple, some of those priests waited their whole life. To, there was a very small window in which they could go into that tabernacle and and some of those priests waited the majority of their life just to have the opportunity to go into the holy place and begin to serve God back there some of them probably I've, I've, I've heard somebody preach before one time and they were talking about the number of priests and they talked about uh, what all was required and there was very few who would ever get the opportunity to go behind uh, into the holy place and, and and when you look at 
um, Zechariah, who was the father of John the Baptist. And he was there in the holy place at the, at the uh, altar of incense when the angel of the Lord came to him and said, y'all are going to have a son. You and Elizabeth are going to have a son. He had probably waited all his life to be where he was. And it was the only opportunity he'd ever have to get back there. But you know what he'd been doing all his life waiting? He'd been, he'd been, he'd been uh, preparing himself. He'd been saying, God, when the day comes, I want to be ready. God, when the day comes, I want to be ready to go back there. I want to be worthy of the anointing in my life. God, I want to be, be sprinkled with the blood. And I want to be sprinkled with the anointing oil so that I can go back there and I can serve you. If I only get to do it a brief time, that's okay with me, God. And I've come to ask you today, how hungry are you for the anointing of God on your life? What are you willing to give? What price are you willing to pay? I wonder, I wonder if you would pray if it would bring the anointing oil into your life. I wonder if you'd spend time in prayer with God in that secret place if you knew it would bring the anointing of God into your life. I wonder if you'd fast if you thought it would bring the anointing of God into your life. I wonder if you'd get into His Word and you'd begin to study it if you thought it was going to bring the anointing to your life. How many people in this room would go to deeper levels of consecration in God knowing it would bring the anointing of the Lord into my life? What price is too great a price for you to pay? And for those that are getting ready to go back to school right now and you're going to and, and, and you're preparing the rest of your lives, some of you even right now, in, in, in higher education, I got a question for you. What price are you willing to pay to make sure the anointing of God rests upon you? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to give? Is this just going to be another uh, transitory time in your life where, where, where you just go through some uh, new set of circumstances and... and and you allow some things to come upon you that, that will take your focus. And, and you're going to allow things to come upon you that are going to take your commitment and dedication. Or are you going to say, God, whatever it takes, however difficult it is, I'm going to make sure that I keep the anointing in my life. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll pray. I'll fast. I'll study. I'll live consecrated life. But God, whatever it takes, please, 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 let there be an anointing that would come over me. Because God, I've got a life ahead of me. And I can't imagine living my life ahead of me without your anointing on my life. I can't imagine doing it without your anointing on my life. So that's the question today. What price are you willing to pay? I've kind of rushed through today because we've got some things we're going to have to get to. But this is what I'd like us to do right now. I wonder if you would just kind of bow your head where you are. I know we're packed in here. But I wonder if you'd bow your head where you are. And we would begin to pray together. And we would ask God to move on us. I wish you'd search your heart right now. Search your motives. Say, Lord, would you begin to speak to me about who I am and about how you want to use me in your kingdom? Because, God, I feel like there's a greater purpose. I feel like there's a greater purpose than just what I might see with the naked eye. 
God, whatever it is you would do in me or through me. God, however you would use me. I want to be ready for the anointing. God, I've received the blood. But I'm asking you today, Lord, to sprinkle the anointing over my life. God, I'm not just interested in being saved. But Lord, I'm interested in being used. I'm interested in being a vessel through which you can flow. I want to be that conduit that reaches out to others. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's pray right now. Let's talk to God right now. Let's talk to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We call on you today. Mighty God. We call on you today. Mighty God. We lift our voice to you Lord. Because we desire. Not just to experience your presence. As receivers. But we desire. To be those who give back. Today is not about us. Just receiving things from you. But today is about us being put in a position. To being able to serve you. In greater ways. Than we previously had. God we want to be a part. Of what you're doing. In the earth today. God I want to be a part. Of what you're doing in our city. I want to be a part of what you're doing in my school. I want to be a part of what you're doing in my workplace. God I want to be. A part of this. Come on, let's just talk to him for a few more minutes. All of our, all everybody, doesn't matter how young, doesn't matter how old, if you're headed back to school of some sort, would you stand this morning and come make your way to the front of the church? and Just let's spread out around here. Let's spread out around here. If we've got any kids in the back, let's, let's let them know they can come back in here as well. If you're a teacher, if you're an educator, I want you to come as well. I want you to come as well. Your faculty, staff, whatever you do, however you're involved, I need you to come. That's good. Students, if you would, I want you to just give your attention for just a couple of minutes here, a few minutes, to Brother Clinton. He's gonna, he's got some things to say. Well, I suppose the verse that I thought about the most at at many of your ages through through school, um, it's First Timothy four and twelve. Um, Let no man despise thy youth. Um, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And I pray that as we dive into this next school year, that our kids and our youth and our college-age students, going back, our teachers, 
would live as examples of the believers. What a strange thing that Paul wrote when you think about it. He's writing to Timothy, a young man, and he doesn't say be an example of an adult. He says be an example of the believers. Don't you know sometimes adults get it wrong? Sometimes we as adults, we mess up. Sometimes we don't do quite the right thing. Sometimes adults don't pray like we should, Brother O'Connell. Sometimes we say the wrong thing. Sometimes we don't dress and do right. Sometimes we don't forgive as quickly as we should. Sometimes as adults, we don't love people like we ought to. Sometimes as adults, we're not just perfect. But he tells Timothy, he says, be an example of the believers. He says, you know, don't, don't just be an example of any old adult around you. Don't be an example just of your peers, but be an example of the believers. We don't need any more just adults. We don't need any more regular folk, but we need more believers. We need a generation of young people to, to, that believe that God is exactly who He says that He is. We need a generation of people that believe. We need a generation of people that have the faith to know that God will do the impossible in you and through you and to a world that needs it so desperately bad. We need a generation of, of kids and, and college and, and, and all of them that, that, that know and believe that in their heart they don't need Pastor O'Connell standing right beside them when they pray to know that God will heal somebody that needs a healing. It says, these signs shall follow those that believe. We need examples of believers. Do you believe, parents, that your child, your child, no matter how young they are, are capable of the miraculous? Do you believe, students, that the God of glory is living in your life and is resident in your life and wants to work in you and through you? In these kids, in college age, in high school students, there is unlimited potential. Unlimited potential. Don't let somebody tell you that this generation isn't any good. They're great. None of our generations were any good when we were in them. That's what they've always said. These people are bought with a price. They are filled with the Holy Ghost. They are connected to the body of Christ. And they are being called to impact and change their world. Childlike faith has moved more mountains than adult-like skepticism. We need believers. We need believers. Could it be that this is the generation that can pray and see moved mountains that we had to climb? And sure, we got, and that's what they always say. You always hear, we've got future missionaries, and we got future Sunday school teachers, and, and future this, and future that, and, and, and that's great, and we do. But I believe that God is raising up students right now 
Not just in the future. Not just down the road. Not just 10 years and 15 years and 20 years from now. But right now, God is working on hearts in this altar. God is working on people right now and equipping people right now not just to be a missionary to Africa in 20 years, but to be a missionary to Westside this year. To be a missionary to Valley View and, and Gosnell and, and Nettleton or Annie Camp or MacArthur or Hoxie or, or wherever you go. The greatest missionary in the United Pentecostal Church can't get into a public school. We can get missionaries in North Korea and we can get missionaries in the Middle East. But even as a teacher, I'm limited on what I can say. As an adult, you can be involved in every PTA meeting, but you are limited in what you can say but these kids. For the kids, for the students, the fields are white and ready for harvest. For the kids. God is raising up people, right? Now, and as we pray in just a few moments, we are not praying. We are not praying that these people in the altar will go feebly and weakly to school and that they will merely survive this year. That is not what we are praying. But we are praying that the anointing of God would flow in their life. And that when they set foot on campus that all of heaven would rejoice with them and all of hell would shake. Oh, they're going to carry their backpacks and they're going to carry books and they're going to carry homework, hopefully, with them. But we are praying that today they're not just going to carry those things, but each day of this school year that they are going to carry hope to those who need hope. They're going to carry love for the abused and the broken and the hurting. That these students will carry a kind word and friendship for the lonely and depressed. That they will carry purpose for those that are disillusioned and wondering. That they will carry faith for those that need a miracle. These are your kids. These are our students. They will lead Bible clubs... They will pray answered prayers. They're your kids. They're going to pray answered prayers. You're going to share the gospel with friends and faculty. Do you believe that your kids are going to change this city? Because there's some things that we can't do. But as our students example the life of a believer... There's going to be the miraculous that takes place. And I believe that you all are going to change your world this year. Don't just survive. Don't just survive. Don't just make it through. But let God lead you into doing the miraculous wherever you go. We're going to pray together. I wonder if we could stand and then and reach out a hand toward these, these students. God is doing something great. The most powerful moment that I've had in a, in a long time was at junior camp. And they had all the kids come up and pray for the adults. God is with 
the students of this generation. He is with them and He is using them to do incredible things. And I believe that He will use these students to do the same. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for what you've done in this service. God, thank you for your spirit that you have put in our lives that, and that you wherever we would go that you would be with us and, and guiding us where we need to be. God, I pray over each of our students today. I wish some of our adults would step out and come lay hands God, on these that, right now. That would you, you that? would move in their life. God, that they would walk into their schools with spiritual authority yes, that they would do everything for your glory, that they would be great students and great people and and great and all that that you would keep them safe but beyond that, God, help them do incredible things for your kingdom where they are God, help them know that they can pray for the sick and they'll recover that they can lay hands on people and they'll get better that, that they can do great things for your kingdom, that they can teach a Bible study that they are able to make an impact right where they are. God, we pray that your anointing would be on them. God, that they would be sensitive to your spirit. God, that you would move every day with them that they would never get up one day this year and feel alone that these students would never get up one day and not know that you are walking with them and love them and are for them God that every day they would have the blessing that comes with knowing that they are a child of the living God oh hallelujah Jesus we worship you God and we pray that our kids would see a great revival in our schools, God, and and in their lives. God, help them be connected to your word and connected to your spirit in a deeper way than ever before. Let revelation flow in their life, God. Oh, we want to be a part of what you are doing in 2018, and we know it starts with our students. Jesus, I pray that, that they would never never battle depression, God. But if they do, that you would walk with them and know how loved they are and how supportive yes. of them you are, Jesus. Oh, God, we love you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you for what you've done in this service and what you were going to do every single day of this school year. Every day, Jesus. It's not just for Monday. It's not just for Monday. But I hope that each of our students, some Mondays are harder than others. But I hope on every Monday through Friday of this year that if you get up and are feeling alone that you know that God is with you. If you get up and you're feeling like you don't matter that you know that the God that created the universe died for you and lives inside of you. You matter. You make a difference. You've got Jesus with you and the body of Christ, this church, will always support you no matter how perfect or imperfect you are. And we love you. 